Take my wife, please. I cannot make that joke. Anyways. Holy shit, yeah! You're living the dream! <laughs> you're a <laughs> okay. I can make more hack-ass jokes. It's true. Oh, I was like, what am I going to do with all these engagement jokes? My wife's so out. lazy, she thinks cooking and cleaning are cities in China. Thank <laughs> 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 okay. you. Ah. Hey, what's up, Geekscape? This welcome to episode 168 of Geekscape. This is our E3 wrap-up episode where we talk about the latest news and reviews from the world of E3 and a little bit of movie, TV, and comic book news thrown in there. Uh, if you're new to Geekscape, that's basically what we cover. Movies, video games, TV, and comic books. Uh, welcome to Geekscape. I'm Jonathan London. Every week I like to have a special guest host. And I think you may be the person who's been on Geekscape the most as a guest, guest host. This is William Bibiani. Did I cross that threshold finally? I don't know. I have to count. Um, Dear Lord. Them, but... That's special. I mean, not counting Gilmore, obviously. Well, with G- the, Gilmore's be, not uh, here. Being off camera. Yeah, yeah. Gilmore's not here. Uh, yeah. He's at work or in Vancouver visiting Ben's sister. I don't... We always refer to that as Gilmore's dating Ben's sister, not Gilmore's... He's visiting his girlfriend. He's visiting right. Leah. Well, we, knew, we, we, we always say it's Ben's sister. Well, we knew, we knew her like apart from the relationship right. for so long so that she's, you know, she has another identity to us. Right. She, she doesn't just belong to Gilmore. She belongs to Ben. And... By extension, the rest of us. Yes. Well, we've all had our turn. <laughs> We're all going to be at Comic-Con. <laughs> um, are you looking forward to Comic-Con? No. I mean, what specifically are you looking forward to? Uh, you know, uh, God, I don't know. Comic-Con gets weirder the more often you go. Mm-hmm. Because it's so huge and special. And yet, you can get kind of familiar with it. Right. And on one hand, it gets less unique and... and Fabulous, but it's still just absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. And what I find, the more I go, the more the stuff that I don't expect makes me happy and right. su- surprises me, which I suppose would be the definition of surprise. And last year you had fun. You really took on the interviews a ton. You were I like, did. I love that. I, I really would like to do. I'd well, like to do more of that well, for we're your website. We're going to be manning the uh, Geekscape booth, and it's our website. We're going to yeah. be manning the Geekscape booth. Uh, and um, so as I'm manning the booth You're going to be open to doing a lot of those interviews Yep um, Like you did this past week at E3 I certainly um, did This past week was E3 and we're going to get to that uh, we're, we're going to uh, walk our way through a couple uh, movie v- reviews And uh, some news though beforehand Because um, that's, that's the order in which we do things Regardless yeah. of actual <laughs> importance We yeah, do movies we, first we, we do movies first but let me tell you, uh, you know, it's what the Geekscape is new, used to. We don't want anybody who's like not into movies to like speed yeah. along. But no, no, we we, we follow yeah. the format. Um, like you said about Comic Con, though, I think that E3 had the the thing we weren't necessarily looking forward to being the most exciting for us, which for me was the 3DS. I, I was kind of skeptical. I was extremely of it. skeptical. Yeah, yeah, and I will talk about it later. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it later. E3. But uh, you you will find out whether or not my skepticism was was earned or not um this past weekend of the movies we had two completely different types of films one that we were very skeptical of and wanted to see if it would surpass our expectations and then one that we were expecting to be as satisfying as any of the other pixar movies that had come out try to guess which one is which uh, i think you'll be pleasantly surprised (laughs) so um which one do you want to start with uh you know uh uh Let's, let's just get Jonah Hex out of the way. Okay, let's get Jonah Hex out of the way. Jonah Hex, uh, uh, we first found out about Jonah Hex because at the time we had uh, Mark Neville, Dean, and Brian Taylor who were writers of the movie and at the time were supposed to direct it. Uh, they were talking about doing this Jonah Hex movie. We were excited about it. They're yeah. the right guys to do an anarchist, anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and kicks, you know, I, I think it would have given... The, I think it would have been fun. I think they have, they have, say what you will about them, they have a distinctive uh, vision for the way they do their movies. Yeah, and it would have been great yeah. for... Yeah. A Western, which we've seen a million times, a Western, yeah. a million times a comic book adaptation, mm. to have that injection of energy that you see in those movies. Yeah. Um, still, they were bumped from the director's chair on the project, um, and uh, somebody else stepped in. Uh, we got this Jonah Hex movie, and it looked like it was going to be full of stars. I mean, we had Josh Brolin, John Malkovich, Michael Shannon. Uh, 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 yeah, the guy from uh, West Bentley's in it. West Bentley's sort of in it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that one, that one guy from uh, Glorious Bastards, who's the British guy. Oh God, he's on the tip, um, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Yeah. And uh, and you're like, wow, this, this is actually a quality cast. Well, it's a great cast. This is going to be a, a except for Megan Fox, m- maybe, <laughs> right? But this is gonna, yeah. this might be a great 
movie. This might, yeah. they might turn this into something. And then no, we were all we were all really yeah. looking forward to it. If nothing else, the casting of Josh Brolin was something we could latch on to, right. and we could say to ourselves, "Well, at least Josh Brolin will be good." And getting ahead of ourselves, I think he was mm-hmm. in a massive piece of shit. <laughs> he was really good in a massive piece of shit. Now, there, yeah. I want to say there is something really admirable I find about being really good in something really shitty. And what so, are some other examples? Matthew McConaughey in Reign of Fire. Right. Is great in a really bad movie. Right. But he's so great and over the top and really, but in a controlled way. Um, so I, I admire, or Raul Julia in Street Fighter the movie. Mm-hmm. Who is, he's, he's just fucking great in that movie. But the movie is an absolute turd. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, you know, Josh Brolin, he doesn't, he, he has to play it more stoic. But he's really, I think he's really good as Jonas. Right. And it's a shame because... In a better directed, written movie, he would have been perfect. Right, and I mean, he's got such a narrow character to play. He does. He it's, has he, to play he, a tough guy, basically. He, he has to know? play the guy who grumbles and the guy who grumbles yeah. a little louder. Kinda, like, yeah. I mean, he has like occasionally, like he has like a sort of a dry uh, John Marsden and Red Dead Redemption kind of sense mm-hmm. of humor. You know, that yeah. unir- unironic. And all that made me want to do was play more Red Dead. Redemption. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the, the idea of this movie is that. Um, <laughs> Uh, during uh, roughly the credit sequences, we, we, we see him. It's very rough the credit sequence. It, it, it's it, real, the entire first part of this movie feels no, really I, I slapped it. together. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel passionately. <laughs> during the credit sequence, we've got um, this flashback of him as a Confederate soldier, and there's just this narration where you realize that he um, <coughs> deserted his, you know, his, his regiment, mm-hmm. uh, killed someone in the process. And we learn that the person's father, who is also a Confederate soldier, played by John Malkovich, is now to, he's been he's taken away the family that he had. Now he's going to take mm-hmm. away John Hex's family, and he shows up, kills his Indian wife, his yeah. Indian son, yeah. and uh, burns which makes which makes Jonah Hex them cool. As he watches, right? Well, you know, I like that. It's like Jonah Hex. He's a Confederate soldier, but he has an Indian wife, so he's cool. <laughs> he's cool, right? He's indie. He's cool. Yeah, there you go. No, but it's not like it's the, an indie crew. Well, it's, I think in like the Patriot about how like you know, oh, we're gonna need to make this revolutionary war hero, you know, seem really you know heroic and cool. But he would have owned slaves, so we're just gonna <laughs> bullshit around that. About, you know, we're gonna do the Patriot, but it's gonna be like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I actually freed all these slaves. They just stay because they like it here. And I'm like. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Excuse me. I had a little fuck you in my car, and I think it's the same basic thing. Oh, here's an Indian wife. Well, good for him. So you have that intro where yeah. you know John Malkovich has now taken his wife, yeah. branded him with this scar, yeah. and in the healing, he's kind of developed these Native American powers, which is really one of the uh, most frustrating sequences. It's in really the movie. weird because they, it's actually not a sequence. They just do that. What happens is they do this prologue mm-hmm. where John Malkovich kills Jonah Hex's family. Jonah Hex vows revenge. Fine. You get the Civil War. Yeah. All that stuff is fine. Yeah. All that stuff. Is, it's, it feels a little rushed and tacked on because the movie's like eighty minutes long. But uh, they feel like a lot of it was just thrown in there for, for, for to, to beef up the running time. But then what happens is but you get about what feels like halfway through the prologue, and then they stopped filming it, and they just did it all with like comic book drawings, but like but not real comic book drawings, like the kind of shitty comic book drawings they put in movies. But when they animated it like a, like Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Like yeah, yeah, cool exactly. Animation. Yeah, cool, well, cool animation. Cool I didn't, animation I didn't for like, like, for like it a, for like an early '90s value. It would have been a book. really cool animation for early yeah. '90s value comic book. But but again, so what happens is they just throw in there. Oh yeah, and incidentally, these Indians like raised me back from the dead and gave me superpowers one of which I will only use once and it, to an extent that you will he says like okay yeah I can raise the dead with my touch also crows warn me of danger which they do once yeah in like the next scene and what was weird about it there's nothing special about it it's just there's a big fuck off crow over there next to the sniper <laughs> and the sniper does something and the crow goes Gah! and he's like oh j- oh hey a sniper you didn't have that didn't need a superpower that's just getting distracted by a crow what was frustrating to me watching that sequence was that that all seemed like interesting stuff and I know that there's that big argument with superhero movies that the origin story on the first film takes a long time but it is very interesting stuff and it is all character development well you know the thing about the origin story that I think people forget about because okay I've seen a lot of them lately with every superhero movie the Mm -hmm. origin story and I realize it might seem tiresome but the origin story is one of the few stories in any superhero uh, who wasn't just a miniseries? Who had like an extended run, like Jonah Hex, Superman, whatever. The origin story is the only story that had an, that really has an ending for a lot mm-hmm. of them. You know, I mean, they, we don't know how these guys die. Right. You know, they, we never decided we have all iterations that. Iterations of them in you the comics. Exactly. But those but, are like we have sessions. ongoing stories over and over again. And when it comes to a character like that, a, a hero who has like an arc, there are very few characters with more than maybe one or two of those mm-hmm. in their entire run that have a very clear, concise. They start here, they end up here, they've learned to have a lesson, and that that story is over. Um, and most superheroes, have, or even extended comic characters, are lucky if they get more than two of those. Right. 
And the origin story is usually one of them because the origin story needs to be uh, really dramatic and clear and needs to get them from point A to point B. It needs to be, you know, a new beginning for them at the end. Yeah. And that's, that's and an ending. And place them in this place, which could yeah. be like the third act. And, and we just skipped through all that. I mean, <coughs> we it would, did. It would have and been nice every, to see the, yeah. the decision he made that set him on the path. Every the single war. thing John Malkovich tells yeah. him about. It's like yeah. every single thing you did before the credits was a lot more interesting than everything we're about to see. Right. Because immediately goes fucking retarded. I don't use that <laughs> phrase lightly. I actually don't generally like just throwing that word out. This movie is fucking retarded. We've got Eli Whitney's magic nonsense gun. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got raising people from the dead with really bullshit rules. A plot to assassinate the president in yeah. Flatton, Washington. Yeah, um, it's... it's, it's, it's we, smart we, movie. we have a snake guy just thrown in there. No one even comments on that. I mean, John Hex doesn't have to fight him. No, no, yeah, it's, he's just in the background for no good reason. Everything in this movie... What's interesting to me is I think just about every single thing in this movie you, you could reduced to a flashcard on someone's wall in a development company. Right. You know, it's, it's just like no one really lives in this, with the exception of maybe Jonah Hex, no one really lives in this movie. They're all there to fulfill a very specific plot function. Mm-hmm. Like Lance Reddick, who's just amazing in The Wire and Fringe, he's in it and he gets to sell Jonah Hex a dynamite crossbow. And then he gets to leave and then his kids get to be around in an inconvenient time later. That's the right. only thing. He doesn't exist other than that. Megan Fox he, he doesn't, doesn't even e- give you the time to invest in those yeah. kids when they're put in jeopardy later in the film. Exactly. Right. Uh, Wes Bentley is in it for two scenes, has literally nothing to do. He's there just to explain a plot hole that honestly no one cares about. And to let you know that he probably has some of the worst representatives in Hollywood after having... They're like, yeah. oh, don't worry, we'll recover from Ghost Rider with Jonah Hex. Exactly. Wes, seek better representation. I think so. Uh, and then Megan Fox, who just, her character is, you know, one of the, we've all know the cliche, there's a girl in an action movie, she's going to be there to be a love interest, and she'll get kidnapped at the end. Right. I've, I haven't seen it this egregious in a really long time, where they really did no attempt whatsoever to keep her interesting or involved. Uh, it's just, shows up, oh, hey, it's Megan Fox, if you're attracted to her, this is for you. Uh, and then they throw like this weird filter on her to make yeah, it look they, they really throw the, uh, the Sybil Shepherd and Moonlighting filter. Yeah, they, they, yeah. It, it actually has a name. It's the um, oh, I'm blanking, but who's the uh, older interviewee on t- on TV? Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. It's like yeah. the Barbara Walters filter. Yeah, and they throw her into nobody else in the movie has yeah. it, but she has this filter that's supposed to beautify her up, and it just What's looks weird like it's because smudge vastly. She's, like, you know? she's <laughs> like 24. She shouldn't need that. She doesn't you know? need the de aging filter. So it was weird, but then she does that, and then she gets kidnapped at the end. But they say like, oh, she's tough. She like beats up this one guy, and I'm like, well, she's not too tough to get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really shitty. And it needed that injection of. Some kind of original style. It did. And I think Neville like, Taylor, you know, I, I, I'm, I, they're two for three as far as I'm concerned. Gamer. I, I was... liked Gamer a lot. I loved Crank. And I think Crank 2 was a mess. Okay. But two out of three, I think these guys are like certainly interesting directors mm-hmm. with a distinctive uh, take on storytelling that makes them interesting. And I think you look at a lot of the successful comic book adaptations, they're successful because they took a director who knew what they were doing was confident and basically told their own story. I mean, right. Chris Nolan, obvious example, but Brian mm-hmm. Singer, yeah. Sam Raimi. And uh, you get this guy who's Jimmy Hayward, I think it is. Is it Jimmy Hayward? Right, the guy who, like, his previous credit was... Horton, Horton Hears a Who. And he was an animator on a bunch of other, like, popular and successful movies. So he gets movies, story, he gets He knows story. But it's interesting, because I'm not entirely sure what happened. I didn't see Horton Hears a Who, but I heard it was good. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know how much of this was discomfort with making a live-action film. I'm sure a lot of it was just having a bad script. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's difficult to... I think there's this tendency, whenever there's a bad movie, we want to place the blame. We want to mm-hmm. say, it's your fault, Uwe. Well, it is your fault, Uwe. <laughs> but uh, normally, it's, it's, it's something difficult to tell exactly what right. went wrong and where. And it, when you look at a movie like this, which is so slapdash, with so much... Again, it's an 80-minute movie, and it feels padded. Right. You know, it feels it, it reeks of studio and post production tinkering, and it's difficult to say who exactly is responsible. Mm-hmm. But I say it's, Jimmy Hayward anyway. It's just sad. It uh, is just sad. It is sad. Jonah Hex, while not the greatest comic book character who ever created, deserved a better movie. Than he this. deserved a blade. He deserved at least a blade. I'm right. not even a huge fan of blade, but he deserved a blade. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh,. And now you hear the, this uh, rumor about Neville Dean and Taylor taking on Ghost Rider 2. I'm excited about that. Sounds cool. Especially if they don't yeah. name it Ghost Rider 2. Especially yeah. if it's more of like a revamp. Yeah, you want to like Ghost Rider you know. Blaze of Glory or something. Right. You know? Which I think is what it is. It's like yeah. Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, exactly. Ghost Rider, my thing with Ghost Rider is Ghost Rider is such an, like, a great image. 
Mm-hmm. The character doesn't actually make a shitload of sense. No, I think that's I think, the problem. I think, and I've said it before that the character, yeah. like when you have an icon, like a character based solely on like a strong iconography, like him, Silver Surfer, but they really even have Jonah Hex. Most people only know him because yeah. look at his face. Like when they have that kind of thin yeah. backstory, like you really need a, a director who gets how you put film together in a way that's visceral, yeah. based only on images and iconography. And I would yeah. always have loved to see my guy for a Ghost Rider movie. If I play exec, mm-hmm. is uh, Rob Zombie. Because his movies are fairly thin, yeah. his movies are fairly thin story-wise, but they get you on like a gut level at least. The I first suppose. Two movies. No, no, I suppose. Not in the see. style of the first two movies. I, no, you know I, I, I mean? can see that. I can see. And you're like, holy shit! No, this you know, he would brutal. he wouldn't be my choice. He'd but get that's... the leather skull. No, 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 no. That'd be really cool. I, I think that's that's really fun. I, he he would not be my first choice. Who would be your first choice for that? You know, for Ghost Rider, I, for, or even for a Jonah Hex. Well, for Jonah Hex, seriously, uh, I'd kind of want to go with. Uh, uh, well, fuck. What's the guy did the proposition? Oh yeah, great. great. I mean, he, he already did a western, but he was, yeah. it's 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 good. You know, he did the road. Yeah, or even just someone classy. You know, and I, God, another guy who did a, a western, but James Mangold. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who can just tell a good story. I think Jonah Hex is something where I think if Neville Dean and Taylor done it, they do something crazy, mm-hmm. uh, maybe steampunkish. I don't know. I mean, that's what a lot of the stuff in their script was. But um, I would like to do someone who can just tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, you know, what? Uh, Curtis Hansen. All right. Curtis Hansen's a guy who, no matter what he does. And he, he doesn't do the same genre over and over again. He always does it extremely well. Whether it's, you know, Meryl Streep in a whitewater rafting action movie. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Eminem in a biography about Eminem's right. life. And these are all things that are like, you know, he's just kind of just thrown into these things. And he just tells the story really well without being flashy but or intrusive. And I, th- I would think Jonah Hex would do well. The other director well that I like uh, who does that a lot is Danny Boyle. But I think, this, yeah. I think this property has fallen below the radar of... Yeah. Uh, well, Danny Boyle turned down, Danny Boyle or, turned down James Bond movies, right, for God's sake. Right. So... Uh, but yeah, uh, as for Ghost Rider, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, but someone good. Uh, <laughs> so guys, the other movie that came out this week was the uh, movie we've been waiting for since the late 90s, early 2000s, which I was guess. Yeah. The, the third Toy Story. I mean, you knew yeah. that you wanted to see the Toy Story characters back. There was always a rumor yeah. that, that Pixar was going to get back to a third movie in the Toy Story yeah. franchise. And every summer, you know, they announced Wally's going to be next summer, yeah. Finding Nemo. I mean, yeah. we, we want to see the... the the characters that I think are most synonymous with Pixar, yeah. which are the Toy Story cast, yeah. and we finally got this movie in 3D. And uh, but the thing is, going it, in, you hear nothing but raves. Absolutely, and you know what? It was one of the things we're talking about since we're talking about the wait. It was worth the wait because mm-hmm. the wait actually contributed to the story. It did because because you know we started off with the toys and they're you know the property of a young boy, then the property of a slightly older boy, but now the property of a 17 year old kid who's going off to college, and you needed that like 10 years. Mm-hmm. To help, I mean, you could have done it. It would have been fine, but it, it helped. It worked it your helped heartstrings, yeah, too. Yeah. It, felt, it felt like everything aged appropriately with us. And that you've grown up with this cast. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know. the dog. As my, oh, that dog. Because the dog's all like, you know, he's yeah, old. He's, yeah, he's, I don't want to spoil he's, too much. He's, but. The dog is a dog. But everything does aged, these dog things. Everything aged a lot. Everything with. aged appropriately. Yeah. And uh, including, you know, there's this bit early on. It's early on. It's not a spoiler. Where they're talking about how he's 17 now. He doesn't have most of his toys anymore. Right. And there's a certain melancholy to it, where he's like, he's only like, only like his favorite toys remain. And they talk even about a few of the toys who aren't there anymore. Right. Like, and like with with a certain, you know, like we don't speak of the dead kind of way, mm-hmm. you know. And it's really sets you up for just how dark this thing is when right. you to be outgrown. Well, Pixar doesn't shy away from a lot of things that Walt Disney never shied away from either, which were the scarier moments and knowing that kids. Yeah, didn't need to be insulted. They they can yeah. handle uh, intense drama, and especially if it turns out it. okay. But the yeah. thing is, you can't know it's going to turn out okay in the middle of the suspense. Right. That's the thing. Everyone thinks that you know we can't make anything too suspenseful. We always have to lighten it up with a fart joke or something. But Disney was like, no, no, no. You could think Pinocchio is going to die. You can think he's going to die for like ten minutes stretch. Hmm. But at the end, he'll be fine. <laughs> but you really have to believe it. And there's a bit towards the end of Toy Story three. Where I was, I can't remember the last time I was so concerned for a character in a film's well-being. And this I is, c- a, this is a, a, an animated movie, by the way. This is an animated movie, and, and we I'm a cynic. we were all just sitting here going. Yeah, we were just, I was just kind of like, holy crap, are they doing this? How are they going to get out of this one? <laughs> I can't, I, and, and, and it was extremely satisfying. I mean, it doesn't end, you know, in a bloodbath. I'm not going to ruin anything by telling you that, but it was. <laughs> it's a cotton was, bath. It's a cotton bath. 
I was seriously concerned, and yeah. I and I can't remember the last time I cared enough about characters who were placed in that dire situation that it actually really mattered to me. And Toy Story three did that. It's a brilliant um, film. Do you remember at my wedding, uh, Bryson and Kemper? There, there were they're in their teens, probably <coughs> school, high school. I went to see Toy Story two with them. Okay. And the scene towards the end of Toy Story two, where they're in the airport and they're running around, and they're running around the back of the airport yeah. on the conveyor belts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just remember Bryson covering his eyes and being like, I can't take this anymore. I think, I think and, this and is... And I mean, this is yeah. more intense than that. You know, speaking of that... I um, think the toys shouldn't be on conveyor belts ever. I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Conveyor belts have never been a good idea in a single film. I, think about, I can't think of a single film which a conveyor belt ended well. It's all, you're, uh, the worst case scenario, you're still going to lose your luggage for a plot device. Exactly. Yeah. No, the, uh, but the thing is, going back to those kids, uh, I think uh, while I was at your wedding, you know, you, not you, but everyone like Brian and Leah and everyone, you know, our age, our age group, was dancing to Whip It. Mm-hmm. The, the, the DJ was playing Whip It and we were all like doing the lyrics and we were doing the dance mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then I turned over and this kid, I think it's the kid you're talking about, this kid's like looking at us, he's like 15, 16, 17, looking at us and going, and I thought to myself, holy shit, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I, I, right now, I'm old. Because right now, there is someone younger than me who has no fucking idea of what, what I think is cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's heard the song, but he sure as hell doesn't think it's cool. <laughs> oh, no. And I, I, brutal? I was really brutal. It has, I mean, it's happened to me before, but it doesn't happen often, and it's well, only going to get worse. I don't think that Devo and like that music was ever qualified as cool, even no, no, it, it was, was on cool. the top 20. That's you know? true. Well, like, I think it was... It was still always like kind of geek. I think Weezerish, but it, he's, like Weezer's well, Weezer is Weezer is totally mainstream now. But but is it cool? I mean, yeah. jocks don't listen. I mean, you know I, what think, I mean? I think I like, think Weezer is probably better. Exactly, like, I know exactly like, what you like, mean. Were the cool people ever example. listening to? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Were, were cool guys ever listening to Devo, Talking Heads? You know what I mean? Like yeah, like we love those bands. Yes, but, I really love Talking but Heads. Were but were they ever cool? <laughs> well, I think I think again that kind of thing is for a lot of people like a litmus test. Yeah. If you think Devo and Talking Heads are cool, you are my brother. There you go. Uh, do we have but, but, but it means that we probably aren't cool. So do we have anything else to say about Toy Story 3? It, just that it's perfect. It's and, really spectacular. Um, I, I really do think it's... Thinking on it now, I think you need to you see cried. Toy Story 3. I did. I, op- I, cr- I openly cried. I, am a no, stone, I have a stone where my heart used to be. He, he does. I, he weighs a lot. Um, no, but honestly, I, I do think... I mean, you need to watch Toy Story 2 and 1 and 2 to get to 3, but I do think 3 is probably the best made film. Hmm. Uh, and it's absolutely stunning. And there have been like... Everyone keeps talking about how shitty a year it's been for movies. And I suppose it has, but people say that every year. They do. They do. Yeah. They really do. And we need to stop saying that so easily. Especially, but it has been rough. And I honestly think there may be only two, three, maybe four, if I'm being kind, uh, movies I'd give like four stars to this year. And Toy Story 3 is one of them. Yeah. And, um, and funny how How to Train Your Dragon is another one. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen that. Yeah. You, you, he keeps raving about it. I was really excited. A, uh, I, was talking, I was at the LA Film Festival yesterday at a screening and I um, ran into a reviewer for a site and she said that she enjoyed How to Train Your Dragon more than Toy Story 3 and wow. I can see how that might be an argument I enjoy Toy Story 3 more but, it, yeah. but what was weird about it was like wow but both of these movies are arguably my two favorite movies of the year and they're both animated well I remember when the, uh, Wally was at it came out the same year as Kung Fu Panda yeah and a, you know, a, couple, a couple people preferred Kung Fu Panda mm-hmm. like, Kung Fu Panda's good it's certainly gorgeously animated I do not understand preferring it such a different kind of movie it's such yeah. a different kind of movie it's, it's Kung Fu Panda was so Generic in its plot, right? I mean, it's oh my it's god. The important thing is it's... to believe in yourself. Well, fuck you. <laughs> I had figured that out before I paid fourteen dollars for this movie ticket. Uh, um, guys, be checking the Geekscape website for news and for feature articles written by ourselves and videos that we've been posting on our uh, YouTube website. There's tons of videos from uh, E3 up there right now. But also, uh, what you want to—the news story that I'm going to be leading to—is that we've recently we just put up a story. That in next summer we're getting another Pixar sequel. We're getting Cars too. I'm Wait, we're wait, we're really? I'm still waiting on Incredibles too. Uh, you know what? I enjoyed Cars. I, I did really not. Liked, uh, I liked Cars. It had that same kind of melancholy. Uh, I thought it was romantic. The way it, it romanticized. There's a romanticism to it. I liked not, it. My thing is this: I've seen Doc Hollywood, <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that just to be cute. I mean I say things just to be amusing and laugh and ha, ah, isn't it fun? No, seriously, Cars is Doc Hollywood. In a way that actually offends me, that, that, that Pixar, which is usually so good. And what's weird is that it's like the last couple, some of the John Lasky movies, like this and A Bug's Life, are like from a plot perspective, are really conventional and generic. I like in a way, though. I didn't. In, it was, so, you know it was like, over long, but here's... I've and told it didn't you, have Woody Harrelson in it. Well, I've told you my big problem with Cars. Yeah, I remember seeing Doc Hollywood in the theater with my parents. Me too. It's a great it movie. was a good movie. Yeah. It was. But here's the thing. Here's my problem with Cars. And the reason why I'm just, I just couldn't care less about seeing these characters again. Every Pixar movie, except for Cars, 
to one extent or another, uh, takes place on like the outskirts of a world we recognize. You know, it's like, okay, so every, the world is real, but here's what's happening to our toys. We're not looking. Or here's what's happening to bugs. Or here's what's happening to superheroes whose identity is secret. So there you go. Um, or rats and so on. Cars? There's no humans. There's no, like, this isn't what's happening to cars when humans aren't around. They live in this alien alternate dimension in which everything is a car. And it messes up the entire, I can't, I'm so distracted by this. I want to figure out who's driving you? Who built you? I want to know who the hell built you. Or, 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 or here's the thing. Oh, okay, so, so Owen Wilson is like, oh, he's the head racer. Everyone's really cool. So what, this is a foot race? Everyone's impressed by a fucking foot race? Okay. Oh, no, my tire blew like, up. He's, like, he's like Carl Lewis. He is. But it's like, that's the most popular sport? Really? He's, you know, and everyone's like, oh, no, he popped a tire. That's okay. That's not okay. His arm just got ripped off. It's an ankle sprain. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. I do not understand for a second... What, why this that because it really yeah, wasn't like, a, it, as Pixar films go it wasn't terribly successful yeah it, it was it did make money don't get me wrong it did no, well, well but it wasn't the sequel looks like uh, <sighs> the reason I mention is because next summer we're gonna get a supposedly on the front page of the site we've reported that mm. uh, you're getting a, a Toy Story short yeah for it starring the characters I think that's Japan. a really good move because I think given how Toy Story 3 ends no spoilers I do think that the story is over but I think they left it in such a way that there you could do. I, I'm fine with them doing shorts. You can shorts. look in the window and see you can these totally, more. Yeah, yeah, you can totally do that. But I think I, I think if they did another movie, it'd be difficult for them not to retread anything they've done before, given how they ended. That may have been what we thought here. That no, uh, no, I, I was. You smart. know what? If anybody, <laughs> but but have have we ever been as smart as the Pixar guys are yes. creative? Like yes, I have okay. just once. I, there was one day when I was really <laughs> on my game. And uh, I, I was drunk at the time. You should have cashed in. <laughs> should I? Uh, Bibbs, what's, what else is up on news? Oh, uh, well, like let's, film let's, news let's find TV out together, news. shall we? Yeah, there's, there's one news story in particular you said we have I'm so to talk about interested in it. We need to have a moment of silence for the career of Amanda Bynes. What happened? Amanda Bynes, at age 24, has retired from acting. I guess she's going to fall back on her electrical engineering degree. You can retire from a career you, you can, yeah, right. And here's the thing: it's like you were, we were acting this whole time. In all fairness, I actually liked Amanda Bynes. I mean, I, I, her movies were never, you know, geared to me. Right. But I was working at like Hollywood Video when um, Big Fat Liar came out on. Home Video. I like her too. And it, in that, in that she was really good in Miley that. Cyrus. She, she was, she was actually and... surprisingly talented yeah. comic actress. Yeah. For what she, you know, was Does. doing. Right. And uh, and then she had like a oh she went into fashion like everyone does I'm gonna start my own clothes like Lindsay Lohan so I'm gonna make leggings with knee pads like, you don't wear no clothes shit, really? you know what Lindsay yeah right <laughs> right uh, but since she started a clothing line and then like the place she started clothing line with like had to file for bankruptcy and everything right. like that and she just said and she announced it and here's the other thing that's weird and this is how our culture has changed she announced it on Twitter you know not in an interview not in a press conference not in even a, a press release and not even doing something like, like yeah. Like, it's a, like we get from like Rick Moranis, where he just kind of stops acting. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I, he, I, I, wanted, kind of, I he, wanted to go somewhere else with my life. Yeah, exactly. And that's you had to make it an event. You know, it's fine. It's just, it's just, it's weird. I mean, if you put it on Twitter, it just seems so unimportant. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're writing on Twitter, it's like I'm going to McDonald's. Mm, what good fries! Incidentally, I'm retiring from my career. <laughs> so, how long do you think it'll be before we see another Amanda Bynes movie? I, you know, part of me wouldn't be surprised if this is all just a gambit to get her in the public eye again. I mean, I'm not saying that she's that Machiavellian, but, you know, when was the last time we saw an Amanda Bynes movie so in the theater? It, so it's so been, it, like, four years, something Is the like announcement that? of retirement on Twitter yeah. the new sex tape? Because that would have been my mandatorial. <coughs> no, I would have started with a sex tape and then moved to retirement. Okay. Uh, maybe she retired because someone was blackmailing her with a sex tape. If you don't retire, we'll release this sex tape. <laughs> Uh, to which maybe I say bring her, it on It's her last film Bring it on uh, What else we got going on Okay what on? else we got going on uh, We uh, saw a trailer before uh, Did we see a trailer Before what? Toy Story 3 We saw another 3D trailer All the trailers were in 3D But this one particularly uh, Actually one of them wasn't And they just didn't tell us To take our glasses off Oh really I checked it It was funny Yeah uh, This one is for uh, The Smurfs Yes movie. The Smurfs movie We had it up on the site But yeah. we actually got to see it in 3D We did um, you were pretty funny during this screening. Well, well thank what, you. What were some of the some of the adaptation changes that they made in bringing the Smurfs? Well, one to the thing screen? that really yeah. bothers me is there's this whole thing about the Smurfs go to New York, and I thought to myself, well, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's, it, they're in the forest. There's they're, no, no, no. It, they're Scandinavian. Oh, that's your problem. That's my problem. Is they're they're European. They're, I mean, you look at them, look at those hats. Those are dork hats. Those are <laughs> those are Scandinavian hats. Those are 
<coughs> but the whole thing is, you know, they're they're like Switzerland in the war. They're just kind of like stay out of it, right? You know, just trying to be relaxed and groovy. Maybe take the gold, hang out um, with some, some of the gummy bears. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole the forest. Yeah, right. and I think the whole point the whole point of the Smurfs was to teach an idyllic uh, socialist uh, lifestyle. Right, we all work. We all work. Everyone contributes. Everyone likes each other. We stay in the woods. We try not to over- use too many resources. We befriend the animals. We don't cut down trees. Jesus. And um, I really hope the Republicans come down hard on this film. <laughs> I really do. I- I'm looking forward to it. But I think what's probably going to happen is this is just going to turn into another Garfield. You know, another Garfield, another Alvin yeah. the Chipmunk sort of thing <laughs> where it's like, it really doesn't matter what the source material is. They're quote unquote adorable. And they're going to be dancing around to Miley Cyrus or something like that. And that'll be all. Although, honestly, Quentin Tarantino is playing Brainy Smurf. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I, I and it's totally like, and part of it, it's like, you know what? Say what you will about Quentin Tarantino. The fact that he's doing that almost makes you wonder if, like, okay, if we get Quentin Tarantino to play Brainy Smurf, maybe he'll do an uncredited script. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, where, where he makes, and, yeah. He, and he makes them all speak in. <laughs> Norwegian accent. That'd be really cool. But my whole thing is that's how they got Shane Black in uh, to act in Predator. It's like, hey, Shane Black, you want to be in a movie? And he's like, yeah, I want to be in a movie. That's really cool. And they got him. It's like, yes. Now he's stuck in Mexico with nothing to do but rewrite our script. <laughs> the funny thing about it, that you blurted out when we saw this, oh, yes. it was like, was that you? And you said it earlier on this show was, there's no, they're not faithful to the source material. Yeah, there's no fealty whatsoever <laughs> to the original intention and <laughs> of, the res- of, of the Smurfs. And I think that that's. You know, and it's well, you like found it's, the one person who gives you shit. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that this first was ever that good. It really wasn't. But at the same time, it's like when you're gonna when you're gonna. It's the same thing problem with Jonah Hex. When you're gonna pay the money to acquire the rights to something, and then ignore everything that made it what it was. Why did you bother? Because here's the thing. The thing with Smurfs may be an exception. Let's go back to Jonah Hex for a second. Jonah Hex is someone no. that most comic book non-comic book fans they're not familiar with. They never heard the name. Right. So you're, you're asking them to see a new intellectual property as far as they're concerned. Right. The people who do like Jonah Hex actually are familiar with how that works. So giving him superpowers is a betrayal. So all you've really done is fucked yourself. <laughs> and we see this all. I mean, look at, you look at Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. you know, where they dumbed it down so no one liked it. Yeah. The Spirit really fucked that one up. Yeah. Punisher Warzone. Uh, which was closer, but still wrong. In, in yeah. The tone of it was entirely wrong. Um, and I just think, you know, when it comes to something like the Smurfs, yeah, okay, fine. Five-year-olds are going to go see it because their parents will take them to that movie because there isn't enough stuff out there that's good for the whole family. Right. Uh, you know, my, my brother was talking about taking... He, he took my nieces to see Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, too. And I asked him, you know, really, do you want to really encourage this? I mean, I, yeah. I know that they're kids and want to see a kid's movie, but... You know, is there nothing else? And he and he said to himself, and it's something I hadn't really considered, uh, that there's also peer pressure involved. Every other kid in school has seen this movie, right. and you haven't. And that's the sort of thing where it's like, I don't know if I'd forgotten about that, but I'd forgotten how specific it could be in regards to, like, watching something. Yeah, and you get left out of conversation. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. And I, I appreciate from a social structure, you kind of have to. But I, feel, I still think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We make dumb shit for kids, and we force them to see it because they don't make anything else. Right. And then they demand more. And we end up with shit like Marmaduke, Beverly Hills, Chihuahua, and so forth. And it really bothers me because there are great family films out there, like, t- to this day, you know? And with the exception of Pixar, they're not going to see them. Mm-hmm. So. Well, what else is on the list, Mr. Bitch? Well, let's find well, out together, shall we? What about that adaptation of The Blue Beetle that we saw? Jeff uh, that's, John's yeah, leaked a little bit. Jeff John's leaked uh, a couple of uh, shots from a uh, proposed small village TV adaptation of Blue Beetle, uh, specifically the uh, Jaime Reyes Blue mm-hmm. Beetle. Um, which I presume they're trying to push because they want something to replace Smallville. Right. Um, it looked cool. I mean, it actually looks really cool. It looked the transformation looked yeah. exa- like really loyal to the design of the comic. Very loyal to the design of the, of the new Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was interesting to me because I, when I saw this, I'm like, really, they're doing a Blue Beetle movie? And then I realized it makes perfect sense. Right. Because there really aren't that many teenage superheroes. There, there really aren't anymore. Right. Certainly not with any degree of, of notoriety. And let's face it, you know, Keith Giffen and John Rogers, when they premiered that character they rocked that character right. they, they gave him a great distinctive voice and then, you know they put him in an isolated location so right? well no 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 no, no. well they no that was uh, Keith Giffen and J.M. Okay. DeMatteis no when the, John Rogers and Keith Giffen did it that was when they did Jaime Reyes it was right okay. after Infinite Crisis and uh, it was you know it was great it was, he was a, he's a good character he could totally carry his own series it's nice to see you know I, I, I hope he's actually a character of color 
Right. As opposed to, because I don't, I don't remember. Lesser, but <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, it'd be Yellow disappointing face. if they whitewashed right. it. But uh, I'm really excited about it. I, I really think that that's a really cool idea, and I hope that goes well, because I think there are a lot of superheroes would benefit from having a television series that, that takes them seriously. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of superheroes, they, maybe they can't sustain a whole movie, but they'll handle an episodic structure really well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Daredevil is an example. Yes. So I think Daredevil, I don't understand why no one's done a Daredevil television series. It's fucking obvious. I mean, what is it? He's a lawyer who fights crime. That's like two of the most popular television genres right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a really grounded one, right. too, so he, you, you don't need to have people flying around. And you get some of the movie yeah. crowd. Exactly, and he has and he has a great rogues gallery that is not all crazy superpowers. It's mm-hmm. really reasonable superpowers. Right. So I just think, you know, let's hope let's make this move. Uh, well, other thing we got. And that's actually something. What, what, what what's we, interesting is yeah. having Toy Story three open this weekend, and it, all the Pixar movies have those shorts in, in the front of it. And now you're starting to figure out. We're talking about comic book adaptations that Marvel yeah. ha- is. The rumor is that they're going to commission short films to introduce some of the smaller known characters yeah. like. Uh, Black Panther, etc., and they're going to put them in front of their Marvel yeah. films. And that's actually that's actually a really cute idea because mm-hmm. that allow them to introduce the character to an audience and gauge reaction before they commit to making a huge project while with still them. building their universe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the, I mean, it's not like any of these shorts can be negated. I mean, right. they're in canon. Exactly. And the other thing is, you know, you can use that to like set them up. Do you, you start doing that now? You can do that for like the Avengers and have, like a Strange. Hawkeye short. You got like Doctor Strange. Yeah, you can have Doctor Strange. Love Doctor Strange. Yeah. But I also just like the idea of just playing short films in front of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's weird because short films, people still make short films all the time, but there really isn't a place to market or screen them. Other than online. Other than online, or but online they're competing with right. every, I mean, online, your short film that you spent months, if not years on, perfecting, getting storytelling right, you know, working on the script, a- editing it, is taking up just as much bandwidth and getting just as many hits, if not less, than Cat Farts on Bed. In pornography. And, well, you're really getting creamed by pornography, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But um, You're really getting creamed Really getting creamed by pornography. But uh, it's true, and I, th- I think it's nice to put, a- put those out again, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, everyone's always see a DVD, they'll include, like, a director's short films on it, right. but mostly it's, mostly you're fucked. We got to see short films last night from uh, one of our favorite directors, Edgar Wright. We certainly did. Yeah, we went to, we went to the Los Angeles uh, Film Festival. Uh, conversation. They, yeah, conversation. It was, conversation. It was uh, Edgar Wright Saves the World. And it was J.J. Abrams interviewing Edgar Wright about his life and career. Right. And it was great. I had a yeah. really fun time with it. I mean, they're both funny guys. They're both really smart. And Edgar Wright is spectacularly talented. So I got to see yeah. stuff I hadn't seen. It was cool to see some of his shorts. It was yeah. cool to see some of his... Uh... Like his early high school stuff, too. Yeah. And not just the one that they put on Hot Fuzz, either. Because on the DVD, they put some of his stuff in there. But other new shit. Right. Well, new to us. Um, and we got to see some of his music videos, which I didn't even wa- I didn't watch. Yeah, so he's that been putting cool. him on his Vimeo a little bit, but yeah. you get to see uh, a little bit of his trajectory. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and how, and how he evolved. Best case scenario of things falling in place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you're talented and you're in the right place, uh, and that's the toughest thing, like being in Hollywood. It's like you're talented. You work from you know dawn to dusk. Yeah, and you just know you're just setting yourself up to be in the right place at the right time. Kind of, yeah. You know, uh, preparation meets something. Uh, Serendipity. Yeah, whatever. There's actually a saying for it, and I'm... You know what? It's it's 11.35 in the morning, and I am normally never up this early. We've also had a pretty exhausting week. We still have uh, a little bit of E3, of uh, LA Film Festival left to go. I know the, yeah. that the People vs. George Lucas is playing this week. Yes, we he's go very excited that. about that. Um, but we're talking <coughs> E3. And Bibbs went yes. out and rioted as part of the Lakers celebration. Um, yeah, because I care. <laughs> I couldn't uh, even tell. I didn't even know what team we were playing NBA Jam on. I was like, what? He threw on his uh, Eddie Jones jersey. I don't know who that is. 1996. I don't know who that is. Rioted. Uh, so, guys, um, E3 this week. Uh, we're going to skip comics, but trust me, you're going to get a whole Well, well let's, let's just let's have a quick shout-out. Uh, Al Williamson died this weekend. Yeah, that's really sad to me. Yeah. Al Williamson was one of the legendary artists who uh, drew a ton of, like, um, old Flash Gordons. The Star Wars adaptations that everyone liked. The greatest that he ever did was, uh, in Dark Horse recently published them about a decade ago, was before, it was before that, oh my goodness, uh, before the prequels came out, uh, Dark Horse got on the whole, uh, we're going to have our old, you know, one of my favorite... Books. The book, the Star Wars books that I will never sell are the uh, Dark Empire books. That yeah, everyone likes those. Yeah, yeah. But um, before they started really expanding the universe, they also started getting into reprint. <coughs> like they reprinted some Tarzan. Dark Horse yeah. got into it, and uh, they reprinted. Al Williamson did 
pretty much the bridge between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And it was mm -hmm. a strip that, that ran from like 1978, 1979, early 80, and bridged the gap really faithfully. And you have yeah. Flash Gordon-style spaceships, but it's still a, a used universe, like mm -hmm. with the Millennium Falcon. Damn. It's the way you, it, it's kind of the trajectory you wanted to see when they expanded the universe in the prequels. You wanted to see yeah. kind of this Al Williamson, there's still tons of different kinds of aliens, uh, familiar ones that you saw in A New Hope. Uh, and Al Williamson just did such a kick-ass job of telling a Star, uh, like Star Wars stories that I recommend it to all you guys. Um, so when he died, even though he was old, you're just like, wow, that is a big one. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's kind of thing. And I think it's the kind of thing where people perhaps weren't appreciating him until they it was thrown in their face how great he was again. Because he hasn't been. People did appreciate. People Frizzetta. did appreciate him, but Frazetta, Frazetta, right. everyone knew. You know, when Will Eisner died, mm -hmm. you know, God rest his soul, everyone cared. Jack Kirby, mm -hmm. and Al Williamson, someone who perhaps never achieved the more mainstream notoriety, even within the comic book community, right. especially with younger people today. But I think it's important now that you know you have no excuse. You, you need to check out his work because he was very brilliant. Those are pretty easy for you guys as Geekscapists to go get. Yeah, and Dark Horse reprinted. Like it's, you can probably get it in like one or two trades, and it's the it bridges the gap from New Hope to Empire Strikes yeah. Back. And when you read it, you're going to be so satisfying. It's not like when you go and read went, went and read that novel in the mind's the story <laughs> of the mind's eye. Did you ever read that novel? No, I did not. That novel was also supposed to be the the that was that novel was supposed to be the sequel to A New Hope. Mm. It was called Splinter of the Mind's right. Eye. It was like right. Luke and Leia on a Dagobah planet, and they're still right. kind of romantic. Hey, well, well, they're, they're kind of like they're they're kind of still kind of like a okay. romantic interest there. Yeah, yeah. Empire, had yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, they kind of gloss over that. They're it, very true. It, it's interesting. There were like three bridge stories between yeah. New Hope and Empire Strikes well, Back. Well, no, well, that and uh, Shadows of the Empire for the Nintendo 64. Well, that bridges uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Did it? I yeah. remember. Okay, I remember otherwise. Yeah, the whole Dark Sun Empire. It's been a while. It's been a while. I knew my shit. You do. They need to put that one on. I'm kind of an asshole with the. I mean, well, you are. The prequels killed it, but. Well, yeah. Yeah, I read all, every book. I read every. I'm, I was an. I was a weirdo. Yeah. Um. So guys, E3. Let's get back to it. Um. Again, we told you the 3DS. Phenomenal. Technology. Really phenomenal. I'm really. I was really shocked because I'm skeptical of 3D in any form, but I like that it was 3D depth and not 3D popping out. Mm -hmm. and the slider was very effective. The slider and helps because there, yeah. some of those. Uh, action titles You really kind of needed To find your sweet spot on it Or yeah. else it was just too much Hitting your eye at one time Absolutely But you, you know You play like a Professor Layton Or a puzzle game on yeah. there And you crank, you can crank the 3D All the way up And you're just going to get Some awesome visuals you It's know very I mean? very nice And I was and, and even ignoring the 3D Just some of the uh, The uh, the the graphics That they were displaying mm -hmm. on there I mean I got to see Like you know, a Resident Evil game on there uh, The new uh 3DS remake of Metal Gear Solid that Snake Metal Eater. That Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater was we were, really I, impressive. Did you see anything? I only saw the credit sequence yeah. as he's like going through the jungle and you can yeah. kind of move it's the camera from left to right. Crazy. Yeah, it was kind of credit sequence and it was crazy because you know you had a lot of camera movement more than I'd expect on that heavily rendered a game on a Nintendo handheld. You could manipulate the camera a little. You, you could manipulate the camera. Yeah, and it was just extremely impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was Kid, I Kid Icarus looked awesome. It, it looked like it, the best mm. version of Space Harrier, and then some of the boss yeah. battles looked like some huge boss battles from like God of War yeah. franchise. Very, very uh, cool. And but there was admittedly just that depth. Yeah, but phenomenal. admittedly there was also some shovelware on there already. There was this one dinosaur <laughs> fighting. I was like, I'm going to be a dinosaur. I'm going to walk in the middle of the woods. Oh no, a Stegosaurus! <laughs> Quick time event. Really? Ankylosaur, I will kill you. I, uh, that was really I, disappointing. I wrote, uh, I wrote up uh, my thoughts on the 3DS, and that was the one game I wasn't impressed by, and. You know what's interesting is, um, did you see the girl who actually had some of the retro games there? No, I. I in all it was, we only had so much time in yeah. it, and we had and we had spent, had to divvy that time up amongst like twenty different games. So I didn't get to see everything. But all it was was uh, it was just little movies that you could flip through, showing you some of the old Nintendo eight bit games adapted for yeah. the 3DS yeah. and. Some of the side-scrolling games, like Mario, is cool. You know, it's cool to see that you can run under the blocks. The mm -hmm. blocks actually look like they're coming out in space on, on the original uh, Super just, Mario Brothers. Yeah. The original Mario Brothers looked impressive, where you're just hitting yeah. the, the POW block. Yeah, I saw some of that. That looked great. Paper the, when, I saw Paper Mario on there. It looked amazing. When the games had depth, the 8-bit games, yeah. like the way that it's kind of a three-quarter view on Punch-Out, yeah. the game just came alive in a way that I've never seen nice. Punch-Out. Yeah, it was Phenomenal. very cool. Yeah. And then the touchscreen works great. The, no, it's, uh, it's still it DS, like a DSi. It has it has a and nice uh, 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 joystick type thing, like a PSP, but, yeah, it but has better. A it has it, a great thumbpad. But it's yeah, it's, it feels very natural. It's fantastic. Um, what, the last thing I was really impressed by was that it has two cameras on the back. 
that you can mm. take 3D photos. And you can, uh, the yeah. slider still works. Like, if you're yeah. looking at the camera and you're doing a thumbs up, I did like right. an A-OK -okay and it really popped. And, yeah. it, and it dropped me back in the frame yeah. and my hand was right there in the foreground, mm -hmm. just like, it, it looked fluid. And it wasn't like my hand looked detached from my body. Yeah. The entire length of the depth right. of the image And there's going to be so much pornography available in that format now. I mean, there are entire websites that are just dedicated to pornographic films people taken on their on their camera phones. Are you serious? Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I saw one once, but but my point is, there's a, it's like a in his pocket. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's, but it's a, yeah. But you got your DS now. You can take 3D porn pictures at home. People are gonna do that. Right people right. know they're gonna do that. Nintendo's gonna, nah, 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 it's for your kids and their kitties. No, 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 no. It's sex. <laughs> it's sex. Oh, Bibbles, uh, you are my favorite. Thank you. Um, I got a, a chance to do some hands-on with the new Zelda Skyward Sword. A uh, lot of hands-on. About 20 minutes worth. I'm editing this video out for you guys, so yeah. definitely subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash geekscape.net spelled out. But um, the one thing I'll say here is that the um, it's a very precise uh, sword system. You, you stick the uh, nunchuck out to, um, to put your shield out, and then you stick your, you know, you use your remote to mm. activate the sword. But you're fighting enemies who can either block the top or block at an angle with a yeah. shield or a sword, and repeatedly changing their like attack patterns. Yeah. So you can't just press attack. You can't you just waggle. You have to slice yeah. in a specific way in order to, you know, avoid their shield. Or, or their you have to or... stab. Yeah, the stab. Which, it know, took the you stab a minute to figure took, that out. Took, I, I had been killed like three times by this, the time that this one there. giant boss or whatever, and the only way to get it was a specific stab move and. He wasn't like, oh, I can't press the A button. It wasn't the timing. It was mm -hmm. just, he doesn't know how to sword fight. I just don't know how to sword fight. Yeah. So I think um, the days of sitting back and just waggling on your couch to Twilight Princess are a little bit over with this game. And Let's, let's game all was, enjoy that sentence yeah, for a second. <laughs> it, it wasn't the most uh, refined controls yet. <coughs> yeah, but, but it was certainly more in-depth than, the, yeah, than any of the games. Too. Absolutely. You know I mean? It's got a yeah. slingshot. It's got different weapons. You guys will see the video. Yeah, uh, I was impressed by that, but I think... Correct me if, if your opinion is different, but uh, Portal 2 was the game that everybody wanted to play coming out of Yeah, kind of, well, I mean, I guess the game that we could play. Regardless of the technology, yeah. Portal 2 was the one where Portal it, 2 was really showcased creativity. Right. Oh, it, it really looks fantastic. And we saw, like, send a clip and everything, and I don't think he's even online yet. Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on a lot of uh, the new gameplay elements, some of the new characters and environments and everything. And it looked just fucking cool i mean there's, it looks uh, so cool there's liquid that you can throw uh, on the walls using your uh your your two different um portals, portals you can yeah. you can throw liquid on the wall that'll yeah. bounce you there's one that'll uh, increase your momentum increase your momentum and then there's yeah. also things like fans and vacuums right uh and they're always tongue-in-cheek and funny like yeah. one, one is just shoots asbestos puts you in like a, a thing of asbestos and throws you across the room right but you know you know you know uh what i really liked uh was because we didn't just get to see it we got to hear you know some of the guys from valve talk about it and there's something that I love about Valve because it seems like they think on the right wavelength creatively, much like Pixar does. Mm -hmm. Everything Valve does is Valve is like the Pixar video games. Everything they do is usually great and worth the wait. And it's supported and for it's, a long time. Exactly, right? and it's smart and it's well done. But the thing they were talking about is because they need to recreate the success of Portal. Mm -hmm. And Portal was a surprise success. Portal was tacked on to the orange box to give it like a little bit more value because a lot of the games in it were already available. And what they realized was one of the things that they're competing with isn't just the game of Portal, but also the surprise of Portal. Right. And they needed to come up with an experience that will be just as unexpected and new and fresh. And obviously I haven't played it, so I don't know if they succeeded, but the fact that they're thinking like that mm -hmm. is so neat. Yeah. It's so it's so encouraging. That's why I think the hear people talk about this. was just... Yeah. It's just such a... I mean, we saw other first-person shooters. We saw other platforms. Tons of first-person shooters, stuff, yeah. But... Nothing felt as fresh as Portal 2, even yeah. if it was a sequel. <clears throat> I'm struggling to think of something else, but yeah, kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one game that comes close to me, because it kind of woke me up from my uh, kind of ambivalence to this genre, is Rock mm. Band 3. Yeah. Uh, through Guitar Hero, through Rock Band 1 and 2, the different uh, Rock Band iterations, is just it was just a genre that I'm not altogether... <laughs> Uh, that I wasn't altogether passionate about. I mean, it felt like a rhythm game. It felt like putting Dance Dance in your hands' hands. That's all it was. Uh, and it just didn't seem like something that 
I was I'd be interested in it. Like it's yeah. too much. It was it wasn't enough of a simulation, and it was a simulation. Well, it was never a simulation. It just looked like it should be a simulation. Right. You look at someone playing it, and it feels like oh, this feels like a simulation. But once you realize, once you do that, it's not. It's just pattern recognition. It's right. it, it is definitely rhythm based. But I think the thing with the thing the thing I think most people who liked it really liked about it was that it celebrated music and it made music mm -hmm. fun again because I think music it's ubiquitous and we all right. see it and feel it everywhere but I think it's importance to us from an artistic perspective from a, a entertainment perspective you don't just sit on the floor of your room listening to records it did as engage much anymore. you it made you part yeah. of the process it made, it made right. the music the point of an social. entertainment experience I mean, a, a very social machine, yeah so. exactly and I think there's a lot of value to that but they're doing something new with Rock Band Theory, which they've already announced, but it's... This we got is phenomenal. It. It Seeing it firsthand, how the uh, guitar, the keyboard controller, yeah. uh, how it actually works as an actual keyboard, but not only, but also in pro mode, takes you through the steps from novice to expert in teaching you the different keys of a keyboard that you can then yeah. take over to a piano or another keyboard yeah. is incredible. In the strings on that guitar, like Gibson actually making a guitar that you can plug yeah. into an amp and play with, and yeah. seeing this thing firsthand... <laughs> For me, there's a lot of value in, in something because it's a lesson tool for something that you actually want to do. Yeah. If you want to play the guitar, you can actually do it in a way that engages the gamer in yeah. you. Go ahead. My, my little fitness kick that I've been on since... Uh, go back to uh, some of the early episodes that I filmed in early 07 and see how chubby Jonathan London over here on the left side was. This All that went to me, by the way. <laughs> how dare you. This recent... Uh, like, you know, in the last couple of years, just getting in shape and being fit, a lot of it, ha it has to go credit to the to the wake workout system that they have at my YMCA which yeah. is like an achievement system yeah and you the more you work out the more you uh, you you gain points and you can see kind of the trajectory of your workouts and you can see your weights increasing and, and yeah. it just kind of tracks everything yeah. it really plugs into the gamer like OCD version of me where I was like yeah. oh I have to get every coin I have to yeah. up my gamer score no, I got to unlock fair. achievements and I have a, an acoustic guitar in there that yeah. I bought in 2002 I've probably played it a handful of times. Rock Band 3, to me, is something that taps into that want to learn to play yeah, the guitar. Yeah, exactly. But then shows me a road where I can actually achieve it. Well, here's the thing that I like about it. Because um, the thing is, we, we, they come out with, God, at least a half dozen huge rhythm games every year. We mm -hmm. get you know, the, the DJ Heroes, the Guitar Heroes, the, the Rock dancing, Band, yeah. the Green Day, whatever. Um, but at this point, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, well, we've added symbols. Well, good for you. But it's still the exact same gameplay. Uh, if... They didn't find a way to, to make that new. It's going to get real old real fast. I get a new Guitar Hero or Rock Band Beatles or whatever, and <clears throat> I'm acing every song an expert right away. And you know why? Because it was fun enough that I trained myself to play it right. And I had a friend of mine who actually is in a band and plays mm -hmm. the guitar. And he was watching me play um, some like five-star thing on expert crazy, and, right? and doing very well on it. And he was like, you know, with all the time that you spent uh, uh, learning Guitar Hero, you could have learned how to play an actual guitar. Right. And how did that make you feel? Uh, well, I punched him in the face, <laughs> and I stole his girlfriend. Um, but no, no. But you know, it's, 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 it's a, a band. I think it's a fair assessment right. in, in in some respects. But it's not the same thing. Obviously, you know, the, the idea of having to take the lessons, pay for the lessons, right. so on and so forth. Rock band is an individual investment. And even though I'm disappointed that so many of the rock band three like peripherals and everything are going to be very expensive, and with with not without cause. I mean, right. these are complicated instruments. And they're um, lesson tools. And exactly, and, and, and they're working. The back library and they're working still, instruments. Yeah, the back library is still accessible. Yeah, so Every I don't song that you've ever downloaded or yeah. gotten from a rock band iteration. Absolutely, you can and play in rock band. 3. That's all awesome. And that's all good. I, I wish it cost a little less, but at the same time, it's like that's a one-time purchase for me to you know obsessive compulsively learn how to play an instrument and learn a life skill, right? And learn a life skill because that's one of the things you learn know. I, that's on my bucket well. list. You know, shit, I don't know how to really play. I play a little piano when I was a kid. I could probably pick it up. The stand -up once, once I get the keyboard you know, attachment on there, I'll probably be doing very well very quickly, but you know. One of the biggest regrets of my life was that I played the stand-up bass through middle school, and then in high school it seemed like it was something that would really get my ass beat, so I gave I'm it up, straight. and I just shouldn't have done that. How are you doing on time, sweet elite? That's my wife letting us know that we have about six, seven minutes left. In, to go through uh, all of E3. And yeah. the rest of E3. I mean, those are the sure. things that impressed me. Yeah. Uh, I, I did seek out some of the things that I wanted to see just based on uh, my own interests as a, a fan of gamers, <coughs> of, of the games I love. Like, I, yeah. I, I had to see Skyward Sword. I had to see the 3DS, but also uh, Monkey Island 2. We have a video coming yeah. up. That uh, looks great. I didn't even play it Monkey before, Island but it 2 looks really good. Monkey Island 2 is arguably one of my top five games of all time. The special edition that LucasArts is putting out, and our buddies yeah. over at LucasArts, who I've gotten to know in the last year, yeah. uh, 
guys, if you didn't download The Secret of Monkey Island on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network last year or on Steam, play through it. And Monkey Island... It's really great. I played awesome. it for the first time myself last year, and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, and then Ron Gilbert, one of the original Monkey Island creators, had this game Death Spank. Uh, the one thing that I really noticed on the floor was uh, the... Proliferation of the downloadable content games. The yeah, indies, a lot of it. A lot of it know, was was indie stuff, and a lot of it was XBL. They're really pushing, and they're it, really so. and they're high profile. I mean, we got to yeah. play some Sonic Four, which really yeah. felt like Sonic One, which is good and yeah. bad. Uh, Sonic Colors is cool to mix. Looks it up. good, actually. I was surprised. At how uh, good it but you also have like uh, another high profile game in the Scott Pilgrim. Look, looks fantastic. Game, which is such a cool beat 'em up. I really liked it a lot. Uh, and then you know some of the ones that aren't based on original, uh, aren't on on uh, existing, established stuff yeah. is uh, something like Shank. Shank is fucking cool. Awesome. Shank is cool. It's got so much style. In it you get and so to much kill attitude. bitches. But and in a really ridiculously well when animated... When the fight goes yeah. across a bridge in front of yeah. the sun, the entire fight sequence is silhouetted by, yeah. the, by, by the glare. A, it's a ridiculously pretty game. I was actually very impressed. Ron Gilbert's Death Spank, which <coughs> is a bit of like a, like a beat-em-up, but with quest elements and yeah. item collection and having to unlock things. So it's a, a little bit like a, like a really fast World of Warcraft that you play. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Going out and collecting But with a sense of humor. Huge sense of humor, yeah. which you'd expect from one of the Monkey Island yeah. creators. Uh, I was into that. I was definitely yeah. th those were some of the highlights of E3. Let's see if there's anything that I was saying. Oh, um, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything. The Steam on the PS3 is huge. That's a great. That's gonna be such a game changer. So yeah. That's that's finally PS because the PS3 they their online you know downloadable games mm -hmm. never reached the same market as XBL for some reason. And Steam is a really good way for them to compete with that. But it's also a good way because Valve never really supported the PS3 very much. Right. And this is a way for them to throw that support on there. And Valve, you know, one of the things they keep wanting to do on XBL is to is free support. Right. You know, free upgrades for, for Team Fortress, which they've had in the computer. Team Fortress on the computer is a very different game now than Team Fortress on your Xbox. Yeah. And uh, with Xbox them... wants to charge yeah. for everything. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's hard not... You can't right. entirely blame them. It is a business. Right. But uh, with, with Steam just being supported on the PS3 now, X, Xbox is going to have a really tough decision to make. Mm -hmm. You know, do we, do we change our business practices to compete for content or do we just trust that people already on Xbox will want to... And you yeah. know what? It gives Sony an avenue to actually start charging for their online service. And yeah. it gives them a reason to. You know, you can never, you can never uh, increase costs on the same product. You can always decrease costs on exactly. the same product. Yeah. But this is now, now Sony can use this as saying, this is not the same product. You are yeah. now getting Steam. You are now getting all this other support. Yeah. You may want to pay the $50 a year that PlayStation Network's going to charge. And exactly. people may... Well, there, there's an incentive for it. Yeah, total yeah. incentive. Yeah. Xbox wasn't without their secrets, though. They announced this PS, this Xbox Slim. Yeah, which bugs me because I it, won. One of the main reasons yeah. it bugs us is because Geekscape was yeah. not at that opening Xbox ceremony, in which everyone in attendance got an Xbox Slim, which is intense. That's intense. That, that sucks. Is, that's crazy. It pisses me off. But what I am excited about is now that that's out, uh, like old Xbox hard drives are probably going to drop in price. Because I only have like a 20 gigger. I got two gigs left on that. Yeah, I've got one. Yeah, that's really, I mean, I want to download more stuff. Right. But I mean, now I have a PS3, but if anything is Xbox exclusive, I'm kind of fucked. Yeah, and this Crackdown uh, demo just came out today. The Crackdown Oh, God, demo. yeah. Or, so. or even, you know, when Rock Band 3 comes out, I'm going to have to like download all my Rock Band 2 songs onto my hard drive so that I can access them in mm -hmm. Rock Band 3. That takes up a couple of gigs. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's tough. That sucks. Um, in closing, in E3, yes. uh, what are some of the things that you didn't see that you were looking forward to? That I to? didn't see? Nothing at, Beth at Bethesda. Bethesda was completely booked up. Mm. Valve was less booked than Bethesda, right. which is weird for me. Because, yeah, Bethesda, it's huge. Fallout New Vegas looks really cool. We got to see some of the trailers for it. But, yeah, we really didn't get to spend any time in there, and that bugged me. What about announcements that you were looking forward to that you didn't get? I was definitely looking mm. forward to a Pikmin 3 announcement. But seeing the Pikmin on the 3DS preview video yeah. gave me a little bit of hope because I think that that is a franchise that would be awesome on the yeah. 3DS. Um, okay. on, honestly, there was nothing that I wanted to see that I wasn't somewhat expecting and didn't mm -hmm. get shown. I mean, a part of me would have, you know, okay, I would have liked to have seen like maybe some footage of like a HD uh, Ico and uh, Shadow of the Colossus that we've been yeah. hearing rumors about. Uh, but all that stuff, I feel that's in the pipeline, mm -hmm. no matter what. Demand's way too high for them not to do that. So, uh, or last, you know, Last Guardian. There was nothing. Oh, yeah, there was nothing, nothing from Last Guardian. Guardian. And I oh, really I, felt like crying. <laughs> it really pissed me off. Nothing from the uh, Studio Ghibli DS game. Yeah, I think I, that's what I wanted. Right. Yeah, that yeah. I wanted to see, and I saw, I saw fuck all from that. 
And I was so excited to have seen I think, that. Uh, stolen. I think they're going to send you a personal apology. They better. About that. Or you're going to get a shitty review. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to love it because it's Stadia Ship. Guys, that's E3 in our wrap-up. Uh, we're going to be back next week with some more reviews and some more news, so stick with us on Geekscape. Grown-ups is coming out this week. <laughs> Basically, what, uh, what I want you to do now is I want you guys to go online and subscribe to our Geekscape uh, YouTube account, which is youtube.com slash geekscape.net spelled out. Subscribe to our Twitter, twitter.com slash geekscape.net. You can also follow both of us on Twitter at William Bibiani and Jonathan London. And uh, also become our Facebook friend. They're on Facebook. We have more videos coming, and we have the road to Comic-Con. So you're going to definitely want to subscribe to every Geekscape thing you can, including the RSS feeds on the site. So there's tons more Geekscape coming. The only way you can be abreast of it is by subscribing. And Wrap we'll up. see you guys next week. I'm I gonna, love uh, you. You love them, sweetie? I love the people. Yeah. You love the Geekscape? Don't, don't encourage them. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Drink. Drink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I feel more serious. It counts. <laughs>